When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. We want to expose to you that we don't want to acknowledge are there, that we, that we want to pretend aren't real, but indeed they are. I pray, Father, that your light would come in such a way that it would not only expose that problem that we have or those issues that we struggle with, but it would bring healing and life. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Across the street from uh, where our apartment is here in the city, there is a man named Patrick. And it's not uncommon to see Patrick on the street talking with people. He's quite sociable. As a matter of fact, uh, almost every... And we were down by my apartment, 16th Street. So, and I sort of, you know, was a little taken aback because, you know, you get asked for stuff on the streets of New York all the time, but you don't get asked to walk people to pizza places all the time. Uh, and so I wasn't quite sure what this guy's deal was. I didn't know what exactly he wanted, and I was busy. You know, I had things going on, and so I was about to just go, uh, I, I'm not really sure. And then I realized, when looking closer at Patrick, that he was blind. The reason Patrick needed to depend on complete strangers to get him around is because he can't see now, most of the time, Patrick's able to find someone to help him get around because he's outgoing. And so we don't really have to be persuaded that the world is, is walking in darkness. Uh, there's wars and rumors of wars that persist. There's political disagreement that is so heated that it feels like we're divided beyond repair sometimes in our country. Social media is a complete and utter dumpster fire, but we're all addicted to it, even though everybody's mad about all the things all the time, but we keep on going back to it. Relationships end painfully. Breakups happen. Sickness happens. Death happens. Unless we're prone to seeing the darkness somewhere out there and blaming all of those people, quote-unquote, all those bad guys, let us not forget that Jesus says the darkness comes from within. It resides from within. It comes from inside of us. Petty resentments and pride and bitterness and anger and hatred and racism and addictions and lust. And you name it, you name it. Our hearts are filled to the brim with this junk, Jesus says. Look at up. And Christ is revealed or epiphany to the world. That's what the word epiphany means. It means to reveal or, you know, to... So the best picture I can give you for epiphany would be, you know, those cartoons where the light bulb comes on, like, ding, you know, and you can all, like, you get, you've got an idea, you've got clarity. That's an epiphany, an epiphany moment. But this is the greatest light bulb of all time. This is, of course, the revelation of God. 
What happens when God reveals himself in the person of Jesus? In our text, and I think in life in general, first of all, we see it makes the corrupt insiders nervous. When God shines his light, it makes corrupt insiders nervous. Look at verses 1 through 3 with me again in your program. Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose. The leadership of Jerusalem's uh, religious structure and power structure had been appointed by him. So, of course, if there's a potential king to unseat him, then that means they might lose their positions of authority too. And on top of this, that the people asking about the new king are important dignitaries from other countries. More on that in a little bit. And you can see why they're a little unsettled when they hear somebody say, Hey, I heard about this new king of the Jews that was born over here. In some sense, this nervousness of the corrupt in the presence of light has always been the case. When Jesus begins to reveal himself amongst the people, because they wanted people to buy their statues and Christianity had come and was ruining it. The Martin Scorsese movie Silence depicts the nervousness of the powerful wonderfully. The film tells the story of, of Christianity in Japan during the 1600s. At the, at the time, the church there was, was growing and it was growing rapidly enough that those in power began to fear what would happen to their culture if more and more people became Christians. So what they did was institute really horrific persecutions of anyone who claimed to be a Christian. Christians were forced to go in hiding as a result. And I won't spoil any more of the movie for you, but it is a wonderful story, albeit pretty difficult to watch. It's not wigs. Uh, the Herods of the world as corrupt and make ourselves the righteous ones when we talk about this, right? It's easy to go, again, them, them, bad guys, those bad guys. But remember that the Bible pretty clearly teaches that everyone's got it. Everyone's got the corruption to some extent. Put any of us in the wrong situation and we're capable of things that we never imagined to protect our reputation. This is why even in our day, when the real Jesus is revealed in our world, no political party feels entirely comfortable with the Jesus of the Bible. Every political party has some area where they go, don't know about that. Uh, as one pastor, Scott Sauls, often says will be true of people that follow the revealed Jesus, you'll be too conservative for liberals and too liberal for conservatives. Prophecy says the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. Now, this doesn't really mean anything to us today because we're so used to hearing about Bethlehem, especially around Christmas, that it doesn't seem like that much of a big deal. But back then, Bethlehem was a pretty nothing town. Six miles away from Jerusalem, Jerusalem at the time had what scholars think was probably around 600,000 people living in the city. Bethlehem had 1,000 tops. The real power center was in Jerusalem. But you see, that's the way God chooses to work. When he enters history over and over and over and over again, God takes nothing towns, nothing people, and makes them somethings. 
He exalts the low and the powerless. This is his modus operandi to give her son up for adoption. So Stephen, thankfully, was almost immediately adopted by an accountant named Clara and a machinist named Paul, two parents who provided a pretty loving home for him. Stephen would go on to graduate from Homestead High School in California and attend only one semester at Reed College in Portland, Oregon. And then for the next 18 months, he spent his nights sleeping on a friend's floor and spent his days returning empty Coke bottles for the five-cent deposit and dressed up as characters from Alice in Wonderland at the San Jose Mall for $3 an hour. But when he was 19... 1974, his fortune changed. He became a designer for the video game company Atari. I remember Atari. I had one. I'm turning 40 this week, so I can remember what God does. God is a God who loves to make something out of nothing. And that's what God is doing for you. That's what he's doing for me. Now, you may not change the world. You probably won't. You're probably not going to be Steve Jobs. You may not ever be noticed in some record book, but no matter how low, how how insignificant you may feel, God exalts you just as he exalted little Bethlehem. As Luther said, God made man out of nothing, and as long as we are nothing, he can make something out of us. That leads to my last point. When Jesus reveals himself, the corrupt get nervous, and the low are exalted, and the outsider is brought in. That's what this... I mean, if if you're planning on taking over the world, at least go to Rome or go into the heart of Jerusalem and reveal yourself to a king or to another powerful person. But a magician? Three magicians who were busy studying the stars to look for signs? And God says, yes, those people will be the people I want to reveal my son to. Because God is not concerned with who we think are the right people or the most suitable people for his plan. When you think about it, the whole first part of Jesus' story is all about God bringing in people the religious people aren't comfortable with. As a matter of fact, have disdain for. Who does he choose to reveal his son to first? Shepherds in the field. Dirty, stinky shepherds that have no social standing whatsoever and are seen as unclean by the religious authority. God says them. I want them to be the first. We could have chosen, I mean, you know, we could have chosen a 100,000 different names. We could have gone like the cool route, you know, like just had a, like a Latin sounding one word name. Or we could have gone the traditional route, had a saint, St. John's. Uh, we, we could have gone with something that may have been much more recognizable. But when we thought about all the terms that would best describe what we were about as a church, what our goal was, this idea kept on coming back. Epiphany, epiphany, epiphany. I remember when I was sitting across the table from my friend Kathy, who's, she doesn't live here anymore, but she helped start this church, and she was the first one to suggest that name, and it just, boom, it hit me. Yes. Perfect. Because I mentioned in London, England, and so somebody suggested to General Booth that he send a telegram or a message to be read at the opening of the convention, and he agreed to do so. And when the thousands of delegates met from all over the world, the moderator announced the sad news that General Booth would not be able to be present because of failing health and eyesight. 
Gloom and pessimism swept across the floor of the convention, of course, because this was their leader and he wasn't able to be there. But the moderator brought a little cheer and said, well, but I do have a note from him that I want to share with you. I have a telegram. And he opened the message and began to read the following. This was the message from General Booth to the people of his church. Dear delegates of the Salvation Army Convention, others, he proclaims that though their sins are as scarlet, he has made them white as snow by his perfect life, death, and resurrection, and he wants that to go out to the world. So our mission is simple. It's to follow in the footsteps of the God of the Epiphany. To be a church for others. To shine a light for others. Because that is what Jesus has done for us. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, I'm reminded of the picture uh, that you give us in your word of here tonight. The good news for us is that you